This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So welcome to the Zit event, and uh, obviously I am not Adam. Uh, Adam isn't here today; he's, he's not been able to come along. But I am with obviously celebrity guest um, Andy again, who has been on quite a few times. But I want to say this one is—I'm really excited about this one. It's someone I always remember when this man signed for us. In fact, I'll introduce him first. Flash, Gordon Watson. Gordon, how are you, my mate? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm looking forward to this. It's uh, it's nice to uh, have a little bit of nostalgia. Yeah, it's great. And it's, um, f- I mean, for me, like I say, I remember CFAX, Teletext was all the rage back in the day. So you'd finish school, you'd run home. I would go on, I think it was 3-1-2 it was on when you signed for Bradford City. And uh, we, we signed you for 550,000 on Wikipedia. It reckons 500. I'm pretty sure it was 550,000, right? Listen, with the chairman we had, it could have been any amount. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Let's not let the truth get in the way of a good story. Eh? <laughs> we'll go into that in a bit because we have got some questions for you. No problem um, but, at all. But, Gordon, I want to ask you first. Um, I think it's important to ask you so. Uh, your upbringing and how you got into football, really. So, tell us about Gordon Watson. I came from the poorest of the poor, um, had nothing other than maybe a ball and a brick wall. Uh, and that gave, gave me the uh, the appetite of maybe like escapism, you know, that became obviously a bit detrimental later in my life because I was of all or nothing character. Uh, so that meant that I struggled with addictions later on. When in, I was in children's home, I was under a care order for like, I don't know, 13 hours of my 16 first 13 years of my 16 years um yeah so football was just a complete and utter uh, escape route for me to get away from uh the way I was brought up yeah it's interesting I mean I I used to work in a social care so I understand what those kind of conditions would be so you um obviously played football I assume you played for your school teams and then obviously Charlton came running for you? Well, yeah, no, yeah, funny enough, um, I played for my school, my count, uh, my district, my county, but I was that scruffy little kid who, like, was even if someone addressed me by, I could make uh, Louis Vuitton or Prada look scruffy in them days, you know, <laughs> I, like, it was just amazing. Um, yeah, and then I, I played Sunday football as well, and we played against this team 
who were like unbelievably good and uh, they had a corner and um, I was on the halfway line being a striker and I wandered over to their manager and went, is it right that nine of these boys are at Charlton? And he went, yeah, why? Do you think you should be? I went, yeah, of course. He went, right, see that hut over there? Thursday night, half past six. Needless to say, I was there like at 5.40. It was like three or four miles from my home, but I ran all the way. I used to run to and from training. So as a young kid, I was uh, nothing was going to get in my way. And then once I got there, I was like 14, schoolboys, then apprenticeship, and then went through to the first team at Charlton. And uh, then I went to Sheffield Wednesday, and uh, what an opportunity that was. So going, going through your youth career at Charlton, um can you explain to us a little bit about how that worked for you, like with, with the training, with making sure your studies were up and how the coaches were and how they progressed you as, as, as a player and as a young man? Yeah, I scored goals. I, I scored goals and I had uh, an abundance of energy to the extent that some of the staff used to make excuses and make me do 12-minute runs in the afternoons. I mean, I think in my first year, as a first-year apprentice, I scored something like 25 goals. In my second year, I scored 45, but 15 of them were in the reserves as a 17-year-old. Um, they just wanted to just, just let me go, you know. They, they kept – I had a great coach in Colin Clark, who's, who was never a, a top player. Um, he played with Ron Atkinson, I think, like a Kidderminster or something like that. And he went on to be Aston Villa's uh, youth team coach with like Lee Hendry and people like that. But at Cholton, we won, we won like a like a League Cup. We were runners up in the FA Youth Cup in 1987 when Coventry we played Coventry and Coventry won the big FA Cup that year as well. Um, so for Cholton to uh, be runners up in the FA Youth Cup and then be the winners of like a League Cup was just unbelievable i think something like 12 of my uh, my group so over the two years they went on to become uh players some didn't have great careers but this is the other thing that remember i said to you about the man who said to me because i asked him if he had nine um, i was like 14 at the time and nine of them played for cholton i went on and played for, played with him i went on and played for that team under uh, under 15 under 16 and 12 of our boys, again, that's a, like, again, 12, became apprentices. That's there was like amazing. eight at Cholton, one at Chelsea, one at Arsenal, one at Palace, one at Gillingham. So we had a kid who was not in the starting lineup on a Sunday morning game who was good enough to go on and be an apprentice. We played in a European tournament as a Sunday side. And I would think we'd be... Um, Standard Liège, we'd be somebody Bari, we'd be uh, Dutch side, it might have been uh, Arnhem or Rotterdam. We won the final 6 1 as a Sunday side. That's, that's incredible. Scott Minto left back. We had like all sorts of players that actually went on and had a, had a career. Damien Matthew played for Chelsea, he was our centre midfield. We had like a proper team, and we were, and they actually said in the paper in uh, Amsterdam, young English professionals come over and dominate. And we weren't, we was a Sunday side. <laughs> That's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. And then obviously you broke into the Charlton team. And then, I mean, I still think this is incredible. And I, 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 I like to know your thoughts on this. You were a million pound player in the 90s. That's yeah. Money well spent, though. I'd like to say that. You know? <laughs> yeah. the, the good thing was I went from um, 
went from Cholton to Sheffield Wednesday at the age of 19 under Ron Atkinson. And it just coincided with the best four years of Sheffield Wednesday's history. Not like just a good spell. 91 to 95 was the best four years of Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, we, we won the cup as a league, as a championship side now, although it was division two then. We uh, came third in, uh, in like the Premier League, although it was the last year of the first division. We were in two, two cup finals in the same year, 93. We it's played not- in Europe. We had a prop. Oh, it was an unbelievable squad. I mean, you, weren't they I, both? No, the FA Cup was a replay, wasn't it? As well, back in there. Yeah, we got done on a Thursday night, um, and I mean, that was a really strange feeling because I was always going to stay down because obviously I didn't get to see my family much because obviously I was in Sheffield, and we didn't kick off till like twenty past eight or something because there was uh, an accident on the M1. So the Sheffield Wednesday fans, and by the way, when Sheffield Wednesday travelled, they like they travelled, they could have filled up Wembley on their own. So we didn't start till like 20 past eight. And then it went to extra time. Looked like penalties. And then Woodsy threw one in, in like the 120th minute. Incredible. Yeah, crazy yeah. times. I always yeah, remember cool. as well, was it Morrow who, um, he scored a goal and someone took him on. That was in the, like the Coca-Cola or, oh yeah, I think it was Coca-Cola. Yeah. It was Coca-Cola back then. Yeah. yeah he, he, fl- he went over, um, I think he went over Tony Adams and he, did, uh, yeah. he completely dislocated his arm and elbow and shoulder. Never played again, I don't think, as well. I don't Did he think, not? I don't, I, I, or he certainly didn't play much after that. Okay. No, he, he was, um, yeah, he was pretty bad. So then, yeah, so you had some great times at Sheffield Wednesday and then yeah. obviously moved to Southampton. So how did that all come about? Well, so that, it was funny because I was in a nightclub in Sheffield. There's a shock. But um, <laughs> I was there when I was having a drink with Alan Ball. And it was me, Chris Waddles, maybe Des Walker and uh, Alan Ball. And... Um, Alan Ball said, I'm going to buy you one day. And I went, yeah, talk is cheap. And he went, yeah, money buys houses. Anyway, he then, about six months later, he then bought me. Um, But I actually handed a transfer request in at Sheffield Wednesday because I just felt that I was getting a bit out of hand with my discipline. Basically, I was out eight nights a week. I was like, it was too easy because Sheffield had become like the party capital near off of Europe. You think we had Sheffield Wednesday and Sheffield United both playing top flight. We had the Crucible. We had some of the best music venues anywhere. We had like the rugby, the ice skating, Don Valley, the Olympic, uh, like the athletics. We then had the Hallam Arena. So it was just a party city that as a young lad, I was like a kid in a candy store, you know. And how did you how did you end up? Obviously, you put in the transfer request, but how how did you handle that? And how did the club handle you? Well, I wrote. That way? No, I was honest. I was honest, and I wrote a letter to both the chairman and the uh, the manager, and they both said, "Who wrote this for you?" And I went, "Well, I'm not stupid. I can write." You know what I mean? And I was honest, saying that I needed to take stock. I needed to basically start again, and. and almost get away from Sheffield because it was just too easy. I've been there four years. I was 19 and by the age of 23, I'd already played like maybe nearly a hundred games at top flight, but I was getting by because my teammates were great and I was in the great side and it was just, I needed to, I needed to get away, you know, And to, but funny enough, for, I think it was three or four days after I put the transfer request in the Alan Ball came in and, I don't know if you know that if you hand your transfer request in, you lose all your signing on bonuses and things like that. 
and ball is but if you don't ask for a transfer request and they sell you you get all of that and ball he went why did you have put a transfer request in he said i told you i was going to buy you like six months before I'm like, yeah okay yeah if i like we pissed up in joseys or something <laughs> so so you've um so you you've shown massive self-awareness at what is still a young age there which is pretty impressive so moving on then you went you ended up in southampton yeah uh, Graham Sunes is the gaffer. What's he no, like? Bawley. Bawley was oh, Ball, my Bawley. Yeah. Bawley, sorry. Originally, yeah. Originally, that's, that's my bad. But so, so what was it like then, transitioning from what is this party capital um, to little old Southampton? By the well, state? I mean, again, it was one of those where I'd had the mindset of I'm going to do everything right. So basically, for the first three months, I was going to stay, obviously, in a hotel. I was going to eat right, not go out. And this was March. So, obviously, I had the right three months because March, April, May, then the season finishes, and we had a job to do because when I went there, we were third from bottom. Funnily enough, Bradford were third from bottom when I signed for Bradford, and we ended up finishing 10th in the Premier League that year. Good young side. I think Baldy had like maybe eight or nine under-21 internationals that were now 23-24. So, on a, we were a good side. Um, and then, but then Baldy left. And this is another thing that's happened to me throughout my career is I signed for Sheffield Wednesday up for Ron Atkinson and he, in like January, he left in the May. I signed for Bawley in the March and he left in the, in the May and went to Man City. Uh, and then Dave Merrington took over, who was one of the best youth team managers there's been. He's brought in through, I mean, we'd be here all day, but both the Wallaces and Shearer and Letizia and Benali and Madison, Widrington, all of the players that actually went on their careers. And there's more than that. Davis, I'm doing a disservice not even mentioning them. Um, but he was not a first team manager because he, he was almost like a, um, a parole officer. Do you know what I mean? He was like one of those disciplinarians who, who got the best out of it. He turned boys into men at a very young age. But then when you go and start talking to experienced players, and I mean, we had Bruce Grobbler, Matt Latiers, Ken Moncow. We had a load of experience in there as well. It was never going to work because you cannot rule under fear when you've got experienced players who are so much, have done so much more than you. And we stayed up on the last day of the season from being 10th the year before. And I think, I'll tell you the biggest way to explain it is Matt Letizia scored 30 goals the season before under Bawley because we all had such uh, an understanding um, and an affinity to each other. The next year he scored, he was top scorer with seven. Yeah. Because the new manager coming in no longer gave Tiz a free roll or if he did give him a free roll, he put two banks of four behind him. Whereas Bawley just let us play, let him play the way he wanted. And if he was out of position, we would fill in. But he, the other way was two banks of four and let let Tiz have a free roll. But it didn't work because he never got the support that he needed higher up the pitch. Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny because I, I was listening to Quickly Kevin and there's, there's an interview with Matt Latiss and he used to say about the fact that... Um, He'd go to McDonald's and he wouldn't just order one breakfast. He'd order two or three. They gave him a gold card. McDonald's gave him a gold card. <laughs> like he was sponsored by McDonald's for like two or three years. And he found the game so easy. It wasn't until later on he probably feels if he wouldn't do it. But listen, Tiz is one of my best friends. And I mean friends as in, you, yeah, friend, you know. I still speak to him regular now and his family and uh, I love him dearly. But he found the game too easy. 
because he did what he did on a Saturday regularly during the week. Yeah, he's, he was a crazy footballer. Yeah. And obviously, you know, Sunes came in. Yeah. And there was... You, you kind of left reasonably quickly after Sunes came in. Yeah, he came in in the June, July. And I left in the uh, last week of January. Um, but he was starting to bring his own players in, you know. And it was a case of, I mean, we brought in some good players. But it, it, it was a strange one. There was a few snakes at the club, you know, who would like backstab in and things like that. And I was never one that really liked that type of behaviour. Um, and he said to me, Bradford, are coming for you. What do you think? I went, laughable. I said, I can play here. And he, like, I was looking and Bradford was like, I mean, I was no stranger to Yorkshire because I'd already spent so much time in Yorkshire. So there was no problem with me going there. But it was just, they were third from bottom. Um, obviously, Wad was there and he was my teammate at Sheffield Wednesday. And I knew some other boys who were there. And Nicky Moen, Nicky Moen was a schoolboy at Cholton when I was 14. Mm. So I, I knew Nicky. Um, and there were some other good names. So again, and then in the end, I said, I'll speak to them. And then when the chairman said that if I help them stay up, um, then he would let me go back to the Premier League. I saw it almost as a, a permanent loan, if you know what I mean. They bought me, but obviously if I did the job that I knew I could do, because in my eyes, I could score goals in the Premier League. So to go and play in the, as it is, championship now and almost be better than the players you had, I mean, you had Adinho and Robert Steiner and players like that, and no disrespect to them. They were huff-and-puff players, you know? Yeah, I, I completely agree. And um, it, so Obviously, Chris Kamara was the manager at the time. Yeah. Um, as you said, you felt like you were on a, a season, well, a half a season loan. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, towards City fans, I mean, um, it, it was it was very different. We, we saw you as... Uh, you know, going to be the. I'll be honest. We probably thought that you were going to be the man that saves us from relegation, takes us a little bit further up the championship. Um, but I'd, I'd be interested. What? What? How did you find Cammy? Yeah, it was great. He and uh, Capital was. Um, yeah, because basically he had asked around. He was looking for someone to score goals, and uh, I was. I was never ever going to be everyone's flavour of the month because. I, I was a bit mad, you know. I was totally mad. Uh, but I scored goals. And he was one of them characters who didn't give a monkey's. He said, if he scores goals for me, I'm going to have him. And luckily enough, I got off to a great start by, one, earning us three points at home to Port Vale and scoring a good goal. What great a goal. Uh, what great goal. You're, you're giving yourself a disservice there. Great goal. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those. Uh, I'd already planned it about two or three minutes pl prior to that because the ball went into Steiner and I then noticed that the keeper was off the line. So I then said to him, next time that Ward or someone just whoops it around the corner, chest it and get out of the way. And and I think that's exactly it. And he did that because I'd, I'd already seen the keeper a couple of minutes before off his line. So I knew that if that ball set up, I was always going to strike it. And again, I didn't have to be ultra accurate because he was in no man's land. And it Great just happened to be. Yeah, it was, and, and we win 1-0. Um, the thing about that game is uh, halfway through the second half, someone shot, it hit the post and came back at me and it came back and I wasn't, I wasn't ready for it. So I always think that I should have scored another one in that game. Always looking to be better. I love it. Always. Always. Yeah, always. Love it. 
uh, we'll ask it. Richmond, come on. Yeah, one crazy yeah. motherfucker. One crazy, <laughs> honest to God. I turned up and we were doing the, uh, we were actually doing uh, the negotiations and he was going nowhere near. I mean, again, he was like, trying to treat as if it was his own money or whatever anyway so i in the end i got up and i said listen good luck to your club i really hope you stay up but i'm out of here oh wait 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 so anyway we then decided to uh do the deal um because he couldn't believe that i was actually going to walk out the door and then but i threw one into him you know i threw like an hand grenade into him and just said yeah good luck and i hope you stay up and he was like oh wow hang on a minute so I signed. Then, obviously, I could not say a bad word about him throughout my uh, throughout my time at Bradford until he couldn't get his own way at the very, very, very end. He was unbelievable to me. If I told you that I used to, when I had my broken leg, I used to have my foot up on his desk, smoking his Marlboro Lights, having an egg and bacon sandwich. And <laughs> chatting to him about absolutely anything and everything, and everything was like I was like almost like a son to him. And then he turned pear shape on me once I had um, been successful in court. And then when we came back and we looked like we was going to go, and uh, obviously, I and mean, then we got promoted to the Premier League. And by the way, he needed to give himself a shake because not in his wildest dreams could he believe. Um, that he could do that, you know. But the squad that he and Jagger had assembled, the culture, the feel-good of us going to training every day. You talk about chalk and cheese. Look at that squad that when I signed and look at the squad when they got promoted. It was unbelievable. So anyway, the bottom line was we got promoted. My contract was running out. And because I just had the payout, he basically wanted me to give him x amount of pounds which was 100 grand and if i gave him 100 grand in cash he would then give me a contract worth 100 grand and i'm like looking at him going are you mad so basically i'm paying for my own contract and it's less far less than i'm on already and we've just been promoted to the premier league so i got up and yeah, said cool. you you keep your money and i'll keep mine which looking back was a, it weren't a nice situation you know but what I did was because I'd had such a great time at Bradford, my friends, the city was buzzing. I didn't want to put a pin in that balloon. So I went and spoke to like the Telegraph and Argos or whoever else it was, Yorkshire Post, and just said, I don't feel as if I'm fit enough to do myself justice. So I'm going to have to leave. But prior to that, I'd already spoke to Jamie, who we were really close, Jamie Lawrence, and said, Jamie, whatever I say, do not believe a word of it. This is the real facts. And, and he was, he knew, you know, but again, I, I mean, again, I know that uh, Jeffrey Richmond turned on me completely because he said that I was scum of the earth. He said this and that, but he never let the truth get in the way of a protection of him, you know, and then he blamed me for him buying Benito Carboni and giving him. So imagine I'm already in the side. I'm already affiliated to the club. I'm already ready to go and play in the Premier League. And he offers me two grand a week as long as I give him two grand a week. He then goes and buys Benito Carboni, puts him on 20 a week, and then it all goes pear shaped. And he blamed me because he had to go and buy someone else. 
See, I, thought just... it was 40. I thought it was 40 grand a week. Well, it could have been. It could have been 20 plus 20 like on appearances or whatever. But again, he, he it all went to his head. He, he lost he lost complete reality. And all he needed to do was he was giving other players new contracts like sevens and eights. Remember, we were Bradford City and we had a good following, but we were the top paid player was probably, I would have been one of the top paid players in 97, but in 99, I would have been probably one of the least paid players. I mean, you would have had players on maybe seven seven or eight grand a week. If he'd have offered me seven to ten grand a week, which all of a sudden, in that space of me breaking my leg and us getting fit and us getting to the Premier League, it all changed. It all completely changed. Sky bought out B, Sky B, and all of a sudden players were um, were able to to get paid more because the clubs could cash in on who knows what. But he just went about it all wrong. And uh, in the end, I just said, "Listen, you keep your money, I'll keep mine." And uh, it was yeah, it was a bit of a, a bit of a damp squid, really. But I know I loved it at uh, Bradford because Jagger he, and Chris Hutchins. All the backroom staff done such a great job because the players, 99.9%, I can't remember many of them actually being a snake because even when we weren't playing, we were cheering on the boys that were playing. If we were subs, because I always said to the boys in the dressing room that I remember I'm trying to get fit um, to play and, and just have some sort of contribution, that it was a case of we're better off going into a side that's buzzing than a side that's struggling. So we got to cheer on these boys and it was so ultra competitive in training, but it was great fun. We turned up every day. There might be scraps, there might be tackles flying around, but we all wanted the same thing. And honestly, it was such, I wouldn't find anybody unless they're sulking and thinking of themselves that wouldn't say that it was a great 18 months on and off the pitch because Tuesday we used to go to the park, we used to go Queens all, but we did it together. I remember walking down Harrogate High Street in a Sylvester the Cat outfit, you know, because we went fancy dress. And it was great. It was some, some of the lads said it was my best outfit ever. <laughs> <laughs> so who, uh, in, in that sort of like the, the promotion winning squad then, um, who, who do you think were your, who were the best player for you um, that you played with? Oh, you, you couldn't, if, if I, every single one of them played their part. Because you had you had um, Lee Mills up front, scored goals, most unassuming lad. In fact, he's the, probably the best. We had about three or four of them, but he's probably the best son-in-law material that you're ever likely to meet. <laughs> Such a nice lad. Yes, and yes. he came to the club and he weren't sure he was good enough for us. He, You could see in his eyes that... He was like, oh, hang on a minute, because we were a strong dressing room. Some of the names I'm going to reel off now, they were proper characters. And then you had Blakey, who's far from son-in-law material. If it, my daughter walked in the door with him, she would get slapped and then he would get booted out into the curb. But what a lovely lad. What great, great ability. He didn't know how good he could be. And then you got Jamie Lawrence on the right side, who's my closest to me. He didn't even have a clue what he had in his locker. He was as strong as an ox, brave as a lion, and gave us the opposite to what the other side had in Peter Beagry, who had unbelievable quality, unbelievable delivery, unbelievable class and experience. So you've got yin and yang. 
Yeah. But with Jamie, I keep going back to this because obviously I was injured. And I, you know, that when you're watching games, you're like, you see everything. I used to pull Jamie and go, Jamie, just go by him. He's not staying. He's giving him that confidence or giving him that view from above. And I said to him, by the way, your left foot's not just for standing on. They're expecting you then to run down the line, cut in and go by him. Since your power and everything. And anyway, he started doing it. And it was almost like week after week after week. He, he, he got like just more belief. And then all of a sudden, teams couldn't attack us on that side of the pitch. And we're talking about the championship here, which nine, nine out of ten teams are not as good as they think they are anyway. And then we go into the midfield and you've got Stuart McCall, who's a Scottish international, love for Bradford, who does the horrible game to the nth degree and passes and leads. And this is another thing about Bradford in that squad. We had like 9, 10, 11 leaders. And then you've got Gareth Wally next to him. And what a beautiful footballer he was. So One of in the your... underrated players, by the way. Sorry to stop Who? You. Gareth Wally. Not by players. us. He could he could pass he could pass it through water. He was like just simplicity is genius. He could go above his door because he just done everything. And then you got other players that can come in. And but I'm just talking about my sort of best side if I was picking as a manager. But you had Gareth Wally there, and you had uh, Maka. Again, everything was covered. They tackled. They won it. They give it. They moved, and they went forward. And it was like perfect. And then at the back. Well, we had Wrighty, who was another son-in-law, apart from being Scottish. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Lovely lad. You had OB, uh, who's a young boy, who's the closest thing to Martin Keown I'd ever known in training. I used to say this to him. He's scrapping, clawing you. And I'd be like, please, make sure. Because I'd come from Southampton, and we had one of them in Ken Cow, who was six foot four, dominated you every week in training. He wouldn't get near his marker on a Saturday and we got pissed all over. So I said, make sure that on a Saturday you behave like this because no one's going to like it. And then we had Moro, who's a gentle giant and obviously we wish him well at Sheffield Wednesday now. But he went in the head and kicked. And these were defenders who defended. And also, and this is another one of my bugbears, is we were in a time of defenders winning headers in their own box. But So why would they not go and win headers in the opposition box on set pieces. Well, our boys did because we had obviously Morrow and Tumble, OB, Jake's made left back his own. I'd be lying if I told you that, did we have another left back during that spell? Jake's and we had... um, I don't know. I know, that's what I mean. See, I, I, can't think, I, I can't think of who would back up to Jake. And we had think- Walshy in goal. Man United and Middlesbrough and Prudes. And Prudes was like 86 then, you know what I mean? Funny guy, funny guy. Yeah, great lad. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. you have a drink with him and then all of a sudden you're wrestling, even though he loves you. (laughs) But it was just a great score. We had Rama. We had some really, really good players who came in. I mean, I know that Sharpie and Dean Windass came in late, late, late. But again, we had everything for home and away. It didn't matter. We could go and win a football match. I mean, we'll go, we'll, we will go back in time because we do need to ask that question. But I yeah, think no, and no this problem. Is the, but this is the perfect time to ask you the, the woman, the Barnsley, Barnsley game. I yeah, mean, crazy, yeah. That was for me. That was when I realised we were going up, one nil down. 
So one nil down, you've been out for eighteen months. Yeah. You make your first appearance. You come on as a sub. Tell us more. Yeah, I mean, you know when people say that it's wrote in the stars or it was meant to be or anything like that. I've gone goosebumpy and my hairs are standing up on my... Uh, <laughs> so yeah. by. So yeah, exactly. It's, it's very strange because um, it was 1-0. It was a hot day. It was a local derby. And they'd gone down to 10 men. We were starting to get on top. And... I, I just I just was itching to get out there. Um, it was my first time back at, in the league. Uh, um, see, I, I always uh, Valley Parade. Do you know what I mean? I know it has all these other names, but for me, it's it was Valley Parade. Yeah, exactly. I don't even know. I don't even take notice of some of these other names because they change so often. So anyway, it was my first time back at Valley Parade, and uh, obviously the new stand is up, and it was packed and. I, I, yeah, and then basically I got the first goal and then I got the second goal and it was like two goals in five minutes. And just a quick, quick, like another weird thing about the day is my brother-in-law used to do like a football coupon and he, we were one nil down and Bradford was the only team letting him down in his coupon. <laughs> and I came on and scored two and he got his coupon. He won like 145 quid, which obviously to some people is like unbelievable, but other people is like, wow. But can you imagine that he's like hoping that Bradford City, and in them days it was a video printer coming through. And obviously it was like, oh yeah, 1 1 Watson. So got chances here. And then it was 2 1 Watson. And yeah, and we, we, we found, we found a way to win a game. Um, and I remember doing an interview afterwards very quickly because I actually knew that there was going to be an absolute melee of the um, all the reporters, the cameras, and Jeff Richmond saying, oh, this is your opportunity to say how brilliant the club's been. I got, so basically, I remember doing an interview on the pitch afterwards just for the Bradford City TV. Um, and I, they said, oh, what would you say about... Um, that we are only getting on top because they had 10 men. And I was like, that's the fact. They had 10 men and we were getting on top. But I wasn't worried. If we'd have been winning 2-1 two, two, or 2-0, I wouldn't have been worried about getting on. You want to get on, but it's, it was a, we had a team ethic. So anyway, I'd done that, got in the car, drove home. I remember McGinley, he, John McGinley, because he was there in the earlier days and he was always injured. He rung me and... Um, I got home in like maybe three hours back to Southampton because remember I'd been the last 18 months had been horrendous and I'd been traveling from Southampton, flying up from Southampton and I just wanted to get home because I knew that it was going to be, if I didn't leave when I left, I wouldn't have got home till Saturday night. And remember I had to come back on a Sunday ready for Monday because it was always like Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday games. So for me, I just jumped in my car, got away from all of the, uh, nonsense because the bottom line was yeah I scored two but we actually had won the game and we were playing well up to that before that point but not getting points and we did I don't think we looked back after that as a squad of players we did not look back and we got some important wins elsewhere as well funny enough Barnsley away <laughs> yeah it was it was it was like I mean I think you're selling yourself a bit short there because I think the two goals were you know I, I've never seen um, a crowd goes crazy when that's no, 
It was yeah, it was bonkers. You're one 0 down. You're against a local rival. Someone comes on who you feel has been hard done by for eighteen months. There, that's almost almost like I'm coming on to give hope. You could not have wrote that. You could not have wrote that. I mean, it's like you know, like if you were a kid and you're like nine year old, and the teacher says to you, "Okay, write a story." And you write a story and you're the you're me and you're like, yeah, and I come on after being out for 18 months and some people didn't think I'd play again. And you score two goals to win a derby, game three points. And yeah, I still have friends that were in the cop that day who don't know how they didn't break their ankles by falling 20 <laughs> rows. I see it. I still watch. I show people the the, the limbs, they call them now. Mm. You go have to go a long way to find proper limbs like that. People were flying for, down from the cop, on especially when the second one went in. And the second one, I don't even know if you watch. When the, when Blakey shoots, I'm already on my way for the rebound. Wow! Before it's even, you have a look. Kevin Richardson, obviously twenty years experience. Yeah. He watches the ball go by him. And I'm on his shoulder, and I'm already following in. And before he realizes that there's a, an opportunity, I've stuck it in the back of the net. So it was almost like an out-of-body experience because I knew that that ball was coming back off the keeper just as Blakey struck it. It was like crazy. And then obviously, yeah, the noise, and it was it was a good, good place to be. In- incredible. So from euphoria then, um, we're going to go back in time a bit more now. Um the reason for that euphoria, you, the, the leg break. Um, yeah. Did it that feel like it. a normal day? Did, can you talk? Can you walk us through did what, it, what, what happened? Like, at the start of the day, you know, sometimes... No, it's never going to be normal. We're playing Huddersfield. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but, like, sometimes people get an inkling, like, today is not going to be a good day. No, the opposite. I, I was raring to go. I mean, you think, I just, I'd scored against Port Vale. Yeah. Then we went to Everton. I was cup-tied, so I missed that. The next game was Huddersfield. Remember, I was only been at the club two weeks. Mm. Talk us so, through the match. What happened? Uh, basically, the ball ran loose. I remember uh, fending off Paul Reed, little joker. I see him on Twitter the other day saying, "Oh yeah, Watson elbowed me." If you have a look at it, I did my fingernails touched his face, fingernails. <laughs> but he goes down. Uh, I know. I didn't even bother biting. You know, I thought, "Oh my god!" If your children knew that you like jumped to the floor because someone's fingernails caught you. Anyway, the ball ran loose. I passed it inside. I think I passed it inside to either Wad or uh, Desi Hamilton. I think it was... And, and then some odd carrier comes and two-foots me, leaves one on me late, halfway up my leg. And remember, you used to break a ruler in school and the middle bit flew out. Well, that's what happened to both my tib and fib. And I just laid there and Redders come on. I went, Redders, my leg's gone, mate. Let's just get me out of here. And he's like looking at me thinking, my God, you're talking like we just stand apart. And I was, I had, I stayed so calm straight away because I knew I was in trouble. I tried to, I was laying there and I tried to lift my leg. And from knee down, I had no control, obviously, because obviously did, they were severed. Did you feel like, oh, sorry. sorry, Chris. Um, did you feel like you were, um, at that point, it was game over, career ended. No, I didn't think of it. I just thought I'd breathe, take my time, and just breathe. Uh, just breathe. <laughs> That's oh, all God. I was thinking. Okay, no, I knew <laughs> I was in trouble. I couldn't. I had no control over the bottom half of my leg. 
So I just laid there and just waited. And I remember going to the hut in the corner. See, we had like top of the range medical facilities. And the paramedic, I had two, two or three bits of luck in, in all of this. Um, first of all, the paramedic was getting ready for giving me morphine in the, in the hut. So I was laying there. And his phone was hanging out of his back pocket. So I said, listen, mate, like <laughs> the people couldn't believe I was doing this. I said, can I borrow your phone? And so anyway, I rung home and she's like, it's 10 past three. What are you doing? Are you meant to be playing? I went, yeah, smash me leg, blah, blah, blah. Can you, I had a six month old son at the time. Can you uh, come up? So, yeah, no problem. So anyway, they did, went and done it. And then someone from the club would obviously tell them, put them in the hotel for me. And, uh, and then the number one orthopedic surgeon, in in the country, he's honorary president for both Huddersfield and Bradford. So he was at the game, Steve Bollen. So he left after like five, six minutes downstairs, looked at me and said, right, we'll meet him at the uh, Yorkshire Clinic. He operated on me before the game had finished. Incredible. And when we'd seen the x-ray, wow. he said that it is 100% identified by like um, I was on a motorbike and the car had hit me from the side. And do you know what the worst thing about all this? And you'll agree with me, Flash. Yellow card. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor old, like, poor old referee, because he said he was too close to the incident. And remember, it was it's like a local derby, you know. So again, and probably a red card. He wouldn't want to be giving that so early on in a local derby. But yeah, I mean, it was it was two reds. It was not even close because he's tried to two foot me. I'd already passed the ball away and then he stamped up through my standing leg. But the lucky thing was I half felt he was coming. So my standing leg was on tiptoe because obviously, again, playing against a hot carrier and, a, and I was a Premier League player, my feet were quicker. So I quickly put a, a couple of extra strides in, but small ones so that I could nip the ball away. Um, so he was never getting it. And then he just laid one on me. And I, do I think he meant to bust my legs in that such manner? No, I don't think he had it in him. But he, the result was exactly that. Yeah, do you know that he's never played at Valley Parade since? Has he not? So there was always, he always had an injury. I mean, oh, okay. that might be the case. That, you know, that might absolutely be the case. Or this his arse fell out. Or his arse <laughs> fell out, but there is theories that he was actually banned from the club. Now I can't; that can't happen. Obviously, he's a footballer. That yeah, exactly. That's not the case. But he never played at Valley Parade again. Mm. Again, he would he would have been absolutely slaughtered. Oh um, yeah, of course he would have been. And right, obviously, so. obviously, you then took him to court for for loss of earnings. I and guess. the club did. Yeah. Well, that's so where how, Jeffrey how, went how, mad. Are you allowed to talk about that? Are yeah, you... 100%. All of it. So, yeah, of course. So how did that whole process come about then? Uh, basically, well, this is a scary thing. But again, this is going back to me telling you how close I was with the chairman. I came round from my uh, operation at like half past six on the Saturday night. And I was off my trolley, like proper morphined up. And I've opened my eyes. And Jeffrey Richmond's sitting at the end of my bed. Oh my God, if that is not like something to scare the life Alpha out of you. Lights, <laughs> lights there. Yeah, not, well. in, not in my hotel. No, no, not in the. Uh, although, to be fair, I think a few days later, I did have a cigar in there. But anyway, so <laughs> he was there and he said, We're uh, having an emergency board meeting on Monday because it was assault, blah, blah, blah. And Cammy came in and uh, 
uh, yeah, so he was great again. You know, this was like why I, I I couldn't believe the way he behaved once we'd got to where we'd got, even when we got promoted. So, yeah, he was at the end of my bed. He said we're having an emergency. Pulled me in on Monday. Uh, I remember I got out of the hospital, I think, on the Wednesday. They said, we've decided we're going to sue. Uh, no one had ever done this before, by the way. So it was like one of those. I mean, I think Paul Elliott had tried and lost. But this was like, this was brutal. So, I mean, it was no way we couldn't prove that it was the right thing. The downside was, was we was we going to get the um, in court? Because we had to have two court cases. One is to prove negligence. Then there's another one to prove how much I possibly could have lost in earnings. But, um, yeah, it was just going to be, am I going to be able to play again? And Steve Bollum was always saying, yeah, he'll play again, no problem. It's just what type of player I was going to be. Um, yeah, and it was a very strange 18 months. I remember smashing a house up in Southampton because my wife had bought the wrong toothpaste, but it had nothing to do with the toothpaste. It was just because I had no release of anything I'd been when you're a professional footballer you still go to school it's almost like Peter Pan it doesn't grow up you're doing the same thing when you're 30 that you did when you was five you all of a sudden take that away again it, being a footballer is probably one of the very or being a professional sportsman is one of those where the very few people have two deaths in their life but when you like end your that's your life over it then starts a new one doing new things unless you stay in the game, you know? So I struggled. I struggled mentally. I, um, but I never lost focus of getting back. And then obviously getting back in an environment of such good teammates, such big goals that we could achieve with the getting promoted. Um, yeah, it was just, everything was pointing in the right direction until Jeffrey went pear shape on me. So you left, obviously you, you know, you'd, you'd given that comment, which obviously you've mentioned already. And it's interesting that you've already mentioned about that. Um, you went to Bournemouth. How played at that... it. Played at it. Uh, again, it was close to my house. I played at it. I didn't, I didn't commit myself really. Um, got what I deserved because the morning that they offered me a contract to play, uh, we went training, said we sorted it out at lunchtime because we did the deal prior to training. I went down the wing and there was a little hole like this big because uh, it was a park pitch and my ankle completely ruptured. So uh, that was me. I was gonna, I was just basically going to retire and quit then. And then about six or seven months later, I decided that I couldn't quit because I had a young son. And if I was going to quit and he needed to dig in later on in life, I couldn't say to him to dig in because he could say what uh, and not quit like you did. So then I went to Portsmouth, trained for over a year, decided that I want, I was playing in their reserves and I was better than they had like 45 pros. I mean, it was one of those where Harry and everyone was buying everybody. And uh, I, I was flying. I mean, when I, when I say I did things right, I was properly flying. I was like, I think I scored something like six or seven in preseason for their reserves. And I wanted to break into their first team, but I was never going to do that because Harry had bought, I don't know, Todder off, Merson. Like, oh, the list is endless. I mean, they went on to win the FA Cup with that squad. You know what I mean? Um, 
But I should have. I could have broke in. I was as good as most of the players they had there. And um, my friend, Chris Turner, basically he was friends with Neil McNabb. And Neil McNabb went, was friends with, because uh, when Neil McNabb played for Man City, Chris Turner played for Man United. And they lived in the same street, so the wives were friends. And uh, the wives were talking. And obviously, I know Chris because he was my teammate at Sheffield Wednesday. He was basically, um, the wives were talking and the wife went to, oh, it's Chris there because uh, Neil wants to have a quick word. And Neil said, uh, hey, Chris, I know, uh, you remember uh, Gordon Watson, didn't you? He went, hey. Yeah, he scores goals, him. He went, well, he's absolutely flying here and he's looking to get back in and play. And this is all, be I didn't know any of this. And uh, he said, he's absolutely flying. He said, he should be playing here, but obviously circumstances, he's not going to play here. And uh, so Chris went, hey, give me his number. I'll ring him. So he rung me, he rung me on the Thursday. All uh, got a flight up on the Friday and I scored for them. And this is another weird thing. Remember, third from bottom. <laughs> Hartlepool were third from bottom when I signed. We got beat in the playoffs on penalties that season. Um, and I scored in my first game. I think I scored something like 18 in 33 games. Um, and we went on a run from third from bottom. And this is in maybe September. And yeah, we got beat on penalties in the playoffs. And then the next season, I signed another year for them. I put on the door of our training ground. And the training ground was owned by the uh, college, Durham. And I didn't know it was owned. I thought it was owned by us. I had a clue that we rented it. But I wrote on the changing room door, Champions um, 99, no, was it 2001, 2002, or 2002, 2003? And then big felt tips. So the boys, mentally, when they turned up every single day, they saw that we were going to be champions of uh, League Two. And uh, the only two times that we weren't top were New Year's Day or Boxing Day and the last day of the season. We came runners-up and got promoted. So did you know, so obviously you, you, your career finished after that. Did you never fancy going into management? Uh, yeah, I didn't want to do my badges, though, because I'd started doing my badges and I was getting told how, like, you've got to do it like this, you've got to do it. It's like, almost like, you know, when you was taught how to drive a car like this. And you cannot do this, but it doesn't matter once you've driven or once you pass your test, you can drive like how you like, you know, as long as you're safe. I just didn't buy into it. And also, I'm, a, I'm an all or nothing individual. My life would have gone mental 24-7. I would never have slept, think preparations and everything. I did actually get back in the game under Nigel Pearson at Leicester because I was scouting coordinator. Yeah. I loved that. I Love wanted to ask you about that as well, to be fair. Yeah, but, um, but there was some frustrations there because I was actually very good at spotting players and holes in other teams, but we didn't have the money. So we, I was spotting players for us to go and purchase, putting them on the list. And by the way, the scouting setup that we had at Leicester was nothing short of top draw, obviously, because they went on and won the Premier League under that scouting system because we put the players into them, although we weren't there, you know. Everyone says yeah. uh, Ranieri, he uh, came and basically he was a tinker man. He was a tinker man who didn't tinker with that squad and the way they played because Nigel had already done everything. It was just perfect. Um, but anyway, we, we left and, uh, yeah, I never really want. I want to get back and play or be involved in football with people I trust. And the amount of people I trust in football is there's too many snakes and too many want to get one over on you, smile at you, but are happy to stab you in the back. And that's never been my bag. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. So then, what 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 are you doing now then? What what? what but now what I'm I, I pres- yeah I present international sports for uh, BetUS. Basically, I do uh, La Liga, Serie A, uh, Bundesliga, and Premier League shows every every week. I do the Champions League, Europa League. Uh, basically, I get some guests on, and we go through the games and look at the best angles. And I do the Premier League and the Europa League. I do the Breeders' Cup and the Triple Crown races in the United States. And I do the golf and the tennis majors as well. So um, it's a busman's holiday for me. Love to talk. Love to have a laugh. <laughs> Sportsman's like dream. Because I, I, my job is to make sure that I watch sports. Do you know, you, and you and you come off as that as well, God. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to call you Flash again. Yeah, no uh, worries. That's my name. Last question. Where did Flash come from? And obviously you like yeah. Flash Gordon, but, but where did Flash come from? Blonde hair, blue eyes. Uh, as a 70s baby, you know. Um, yeah, I'd like to tell you that it was because I was like shit off a shovel and I was really quick. <laughs> but no, it was blonde hair, blue eyes, and my name's Gordon, so it was Flash Gordon. It was like, they weren't up all night thinking of it, you know. <laughs> Gordon, do you know, I just want to say for City fans... Um, it's bizarre because we, we all do, and I want you to know this as well, as City fans, we do all have such a um, rapport for you. And it's crazy to say that because you only played 20, 21 games and has got five goals. <laughs> but you are someone They were who, good goals, though. They were great goals. <laughs> Mate, they, were, they were cracking goals. But I, I do, we do appreciate it as City fans and... Uh, I want to thank you, and I'm sure Andy will do it as yeah. well, and for your time today. And uh, this has been great. I've, I've really enjoyed this, and hopefully you guys as well, City fans. It's a bit, bit of nostalgia. Um, I contacted uh, Flash probably less, well, about a week ago. Straight on it. More than happy to do it. And uh, thank you very much, Flash. Oh, and listen, yeah. uh, it's, it's typical... Um... Typical Yorkshire um, hospitality, you know, it just goes on and on and on. And uh, listen, I, I loved my time in Yorkshire, whether it was West Yorkshire, whether it was South Yorkshire. But again, you you become like a family member, unless you're a twat, and then you don't deserve to be a family member. But <laughs> for, for myself, and I know that Jamie, Jamie still uh, says that Bradford's his number one team, yeah. and this, that, and the other. And yeah. there's a lot of us. We went through a lot, and you think. Only one team that has been promoted to the Premier League from Bradford. So that whole family and the rapport and there's so many people who fell in love with the game again, you know. It's easy. It's easy for for me to uh, not not be worrying about ever coming to Bradford or always wanting them to, to be the best they possibly can. Listen, you'll always be welcome at Bradford, and uh, I, I honestly, I think if you went to a bar, you'd be bought beers as long as you put one of your um, your wigs, wigs, on like that. <laughs> get, get, get a blonde wig on, and uh, you know you you'll never have a problem. But no, in all seriousness, uh, Flash, Gordon Watson, thank you so much for tonight and uh, City event. So don't forget to please uh, follow us, get us on Twitter, follow the YouTube. And let's go from there. But thank you very much, Gordon. Uh, you take care, boys. Have a great season. Yeah, you too, Paul. Thank Cheers. you very much. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.